A force, a sound, can change life in an instant. The men and women who serve or served our nation as active duty service members and veterans face the risk of what has been dubbed the invisible injury, or mild traumatic brain injury. Whether in combat zones or here on the home front through training or routine accidents, brain injury can throw a curve to this highly motivated population. We'll talk today with one of the top neurologists worldwide who has spent his career treating active duty service members, veterans, professional athletes, and civilians with brain injury. Hope, healing, discovery, and learning. So if you put together all of those words and and what it takes to make them happen, you need this kind of complex team that can handle a complex patient's concerns. Welcome to the Brain Injury Awareness Project podcast, presented by Brain Injury Services, a nonprofit leader in developing services for children and adults, including veterans, who have experienced a brain injury. I'm Erin Mattingly, a speech-language pathologist and board chair of Brain Injury Services. And whether you're a veteran, an active duty service member, a military spouse, family member, friend, or caregiver, a clinician or researcher, or if you're just curious about injuries to the brain, we're pleased to have you join us for these conversations. This broadcast may contain general information relating to various medical conditions and their treatment. Such information is provided for informational purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. There are nearly half a million American service members and veterans who have sustained a brain injury over the last 20 years, and countless more veterans struggle for years and even for decades with the aftermath of traumatic brain injury. As we'll hear today, there is help and hope, and so our focus today, helping veterans with brain injury. I'm very pleased to be here with neurologist Dr. Jim Kelly, one of the nation's and world's top experts on cutting-edge evaluation and treatment of service members and veterans with brain injury. Dr. Kelly is executive director of the Marcus Institute for Brain Health at the Anschutz Health and Wellness Center at the University of Colorado. He was a fellow for the Military Service Initiative at the George W. Bush Institute and the founding director of the National Intrepid Center of Excellence, known as NICO, at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, just outside of Washington, D.C., a program unique to the Department of Defense designed to provide an intensive, integrative, and holistic recovery path for service members with TBI. And I'm proud to note that I worked alongside Dr. Kelly at the NICO. So welcome, Dr. Kelly. It's good to be here. So let's dive right in. What is the invisible wound associated with our nation's service members and veterans? So largely in the wars since the attacks of 9-11, the injury has been created by explosions, by blasts, um, either from uh, improvised devices that the the service members didn't anticipate, or actually something that did come in in a more conventional sense, and they just couldn't get out of the path. Sometimes it's just the blast, Mm -hmm. but it's uncommon to only be a blast in a given individual, unless that occurred in a training scenario. In a war zone, it is a complex and um, often multiply injuring uh, event. Mm-hmm. Brain itself is affected uh, by the shaking, by the movement, by the actual blast wave that goes through tissue, and also by the squeezing of the chest and abdomen that drives blood up into the head, which is not expandable. Uh, And so the brain itself is injured by the sudden 
rush of blood up into the head on top of all the other things that happened in the blast. It became obvious to me in my career that I certainly did not grasp everything that happened as a physician, as a behavioral neurologist um, to an individual with a mild traumatic brain injury. Oftentimes there were things I needed other colleagues in other disciplines of the healthcare fields to really understand from their perspectives that entire package, if you will, of that person. And so my dream, if you will, was to have all those individuals that I counted on available all at the same time in the same place. In our current healthcare reimbursement system that we have, that just doesn't happen. Um, you can have parts of that. You can have people that are good at what they do, and sometimes they actually do work in the same place. But in order to have them available and interacting in a truly crossover, interdisciplinary, real-time fashion, you have to build a team differently than is usually available, all in the same place where the patient comes to one location. And you surround that individual by having all of that available the expertise and the technology and, and all right there. Then after the evaluation is completed by this expert team, then you take what you learn under those circumstances into a treatment um, that we call intensive outpatient care, intensive outpatient program that is all day, every day, five days a week for weeks under the circumstances, the way this model has evolved. And we find that the treatment under those circumstances accelerates the recovery and puts them on, as the term has been used by many others, a trajectory of recovery that is very steep um, and it really can't be obtained in any other methodology that I'm aware of. Yeah. And I remember when we were at NICO, one of the most powerful things that the, the patients would talk about in particular was having to only tell their story once because all of the providers were in one room and we all could hear it from different perspectives. Um, and it was a little less traumatizing, maybe not be the right word, but for that patient to have to continually repeat themselves. I know that was always a, a big, a big factor. People on the team that are kind of behind the scenes get all the medical information they possibly can and talk to the individual often. And in, at least in our model now, actually also then talk to providers and family members before this individual even hits the door. And so then when the patient comes and is surrounded by all the team members that it could be six or eight mm -hmm. people, um, they already have the background information and can tell that patient, yep, you don't need to tell us all of that. Right. We know what happened to you. We know where you've been and what has been tried. We want to know today, what are your priorities? What do you want us to deal with when you leave this room today? Mm -hmm. um, and so not uncommonly, even though the patients hear that that's what they'll be asked, they are um, at first a little intimidated by being surrounded by right. people at the same time. But you can just see that, um, that anxiety melt away when they get to say what they have come there to tell us. Mm -hmm. Then each of us gets to ask a question from our own discipline specific area um, and get more information from the patient under those circumstances. 
it's a beautiful model. And I get to learn what you would ask. Right. Speech language pathologist and listen to the answer. Right. I benefit from that as a clinician just as much as the patient benefits from you understanding what the answers are too. It, it elevates the level of interdisciplinary exchange and sophistication for the entire team mm-hmm. just in that one process. Yeah, and it's truly an interdisciplinary model. And I know that's such a um, hot topic right now, interprofessional education and and treating as teams, but it's so rare that everybody's all in one room or one clinic and able to actually have these conversations in real time um, with a patient involved as well. Um, And so what kind of providers did you look for? Are you looking for now as part of your teams? So the core team for us starts with somebody sophisticated in the brain from a medical standpoint, that would be Mm -hmm. either neurology, behavioral neurology in our case, sometimes rehab medicine, sometimes other disciplines that have additionally trained uh, in the area of neuroscience clinically. Um, Then we bring in the allied health category of clinicians. Speech language pathologists tend to uh, be at the top of our our list in in finding the cognitive problems, especially around uh, communication, Mm -hmm. that need to be addressed and are part of this injury pattern, if you will. Neuropsychology plays a big role. Um, Vestibular physical therapy plays a very big role because of the biomechanical injuries that affect inner ear and sensory systems and their integration. And then you need trauma counselors and clinical psychologists. We have a clinical pharmacist who goes through all the medications with the individual. You might need somebody with uh, special vision therapy approaches from an occupational therapy uh, background. Um, Not uncommonly, you need people that are just there to understand the family aspect of this and the relationship uh, breakdown that can occur. And for us, like it was at NICO, as you may recall, we actually benefited from bringing in people that aren't part of a a traditional Western medical approach, Mm -hmm. um, but bring in integrative uh, medicine uh, approaches that often came out of Eastern medicine, uh, yoga, Reiki. Um, acupuncture, and then the power of art therapy and mm-hmm. dance therapy and music therapy and equine therapy. We actually have all of those uh, available. But we didn't have equine therapy. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Very cool. And so if a veteran wanted to receive this care, do they go to their local VA? Do they? How, how do they get into this program? And who's appropriate for this program? So not everybody needs this. I mean, this is a a pretty um, select group of individuals who have chronic, persistent effects of often multiple concussions or mild TBI. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have had these other uh, psychological, behavioral relationship problems um, for a a span of time. We, We ask that an individual be at least six months out from the most recent injury before we engage. The reason being, um, it's still the case, best we can tell, most people do resolve largely, if not completely, within that many months, um, certainly by a year out, from a, a single concussive event. If they have multiple concussions, it can be complicated with uh, a variety of other problems that occur as well. Those are the individuals that really do need this kind of care. And so there's a subset of the individuals that we would find 
um, something that we can do for them. If if we can't, if our sorry evaluation says there's really nothing that our team is is going to be able to help with, mm-hmm. we find some place that will help them. And so uh, they could come from a VA referral. Okay. They can come from a family member that has found our website and phone number. There are a whole variety of approaches that are available and paths in. You don't need a physician referral as so many healthcare systems require. Um, our donor, Bernie Marcus, wants to make sure that uh, any individual who needs this kind of care has ready access to it and can obtain it without any out-of-pocket expense to them. So. We remove as many barriers in accessing this care as possible in order to make that uh, available as broadly as possible. NICO, where we worked, was for active duty and continues to be almost entirely for active duty. And then veterans didn't have this kind of care, certainly not in that model. Um, And so it was Bernie's intent all along that that be made available to those who have served in uniform. It has more recently also grown to include first responders. Great. Um, And uh, many of them are veterans, but even those that aren't can access the same level of care for many of the same problems that our military experience. That's incredible. And you mentioned family members being able to look up you know, the Marcus Institute online and kind of look into referrals that way. But if a family member was concerned about a loved one, what kind of symptoms should they be looking for that maybe this would be a good fit for treatment? The um, the vague sense that we hear all the time is this is not the same person that I knew. Mm-hmm. It is a change in personality and um, means of interacting that uh, are now different than there had been uh, previous to a, an event or multiple events. Um, the individual might be withholding in the, uh, problems that they are, uh, they're not willing or, or able to talk to or even explain sometimes. But the family members who observe those changes in the individual are often better and more aware, better at explaining it than the patient, him or herself. Mm-hmm. And so changes in thinking, changing, changes in memory, changing, changes in language, um, sleep pattern disruption, uh, moodiness, um, a variety of things that are vague, but all add together to change that person in such a way that kind of in a vague sense, but with real meaning, these individual family members can say, there's something wrong here. And we don't know exactly what it is. We just know that something happened after to them, after this event, whatever it may have been, or, or experience in a war that needs to be addressed. For veterans in particular, is it only those who have been in a combat experience in theater or can anyone who's been injured via training accident or even a car accident? We open the door to anybody who served in uniform and is a veteran. Okay. And whether their injury occurred, even when they were in uniform or after it, any right. scenario, um, training accident, car accident, um, uh, sports or, or a recreation uh, uh, injury, all of those are for us 
any kind of precipitating event that led to the change in brain function that um, occurs for a veteran, that's that's what we take. Okay, great. And speaking to clinicians, other medical professionals, what are some of the tidbits that, that you can share that, that might be something to integrate into a best practice that you've learned from NICO and then the Marcus Institute? Um, detailed diagnostic evaluations and understanding the actual um, underpinnings of what produces the symptoms is actually critical. Mm -hmm. If you gloss over and then misunderstand what the nature of the problem is, especially from a physical injury uh, standpoint, you do no good for that individual. You might even do some harm. Um, And so just one good example of that would be if, in fact, the blow to the head had caused uh, a problem with an inner ear mechanism that, that has to do with the vestibular imbalance and equilibrium centers, and you misunderstand that as some kind of a um, psychological problem, as anxiety, because it is yep. anxiety provoking to have those problems internally, and you then go down the path of treating what you think is the problem without really getting it right, that's not good. And that individual will not benefit under those circumstances. Um, And so it's very important to drill down into what are the causes, the root causes of these concerns they bring and treat that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that that can apply to many disciplines um, and, and many diagnoses, not just TBI or symptoms associated with it. Um, especially with uh, the complex patients that you're seeing. Um, okay, so is is this type of care a magic pill? Does it salt? Does it fix everyone? Well, no. I wish I I could say it does. Um, <laughs> and no one is cured, right. even after considerable improvement in our hands. Um, it launches them into a, a trajectory, though, where continued recovery uh, can be expected if they continue to do things that they learned under the circumstances of our treatment approach. And that then carries into the future where symptom resolution continues, their lives are back on track, their relationships are better, their satisfaction with life uh, is improved. And, and when you get to those stages, and this isn't just during the three weeks, it's well beyond, mm-hmm. lives are different for these individuals in such a way that they become productive, that they're actually back into their leadership roles, not uncommonly. They re-engage with families in very productive ways. They start whole new paths of, of uh, productive engagement in their communities in ways that is um, so rewarding for us to watch that um, it keeps us going to hear that. That doesn't happen within a three-week treatment program. Right. That's ongoing. That's the kind of thing that you see uh, as they take that experience and their lives as turned around now mm-hmm. are very different. Love it. And then talk to me about resources um, that you would recommend for veterans, family members, caregivers, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the website that you all have, um, do you have the, do you happen to know that offhand that we could use here? <laughs> yeah, it, it actually, it's simple. It's just Marcus Institute 
Um, but if you just look that up, Marcus Institute for Brain Health or M-I-B-H, that'll get you there too. Um, and it pops up as a University of Colorado entity. Great. Perfect. Any other resources that you would recommend? So right now, there are a whole variety of paths to get into our system for referral. Mm -hmm. And I think the one that's most exciting, it has been recently developed um, by the Bush Institute down in Dallas and their Veteran Wellness Alliance. And it's called Veteran Check-In. And the check-in itself, if you just do that uh, by itself and Google check-in, veteran yeah. check-in, you find that there is a free service that is arranged for and, and handled by a variety of donor uh, resources for individuals who don't know what the problem is for a given veteran, um, but want to try to help them and aim them in the right direction. So it's a an agnostic to the nature of the problem and to the system of care, a one-stop shop, if you will, for referral, for non-clinicians, for veteran service organizations uh, that often these veterans are uh, members of. And it was intended to stand up um, that uh, into that void right now so that they can then find the proper place to, to help. And so they'll figure it out. You talk to an actual human being on the other end of that phone, or you answer some questions online, and they help you find what it is you need help with. Um, and it can be from, uh, again, these invisible wounds are the main issue that we're ta talking about in terms of clinical care. But it can mm -hmm. be related things that have to do with um, jobs that you've lost and, and financial concerns and housing and so forth, and they would actually take all of those concerns and plug them into the right system. Again, the main idea being invisible wounds of psychological health and traumatic brain injury. That's wonderful because I know finding the resources can be one of the most overwhelming pieces of all of this. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has information at cdc.gov slash traumatic brain injury slash military. And especially for those of you in the Northern Virginia area around Washington, D.C., Brain Injury Services has a wealth of resources, most of them also free or nearly free. I invite you to check us out at braininjuryservices.org. That's braininjurysvcs.org. I want to thank Dr. Kelly for taking the time to join me on the Brain Injury Awareness Project podcast. It was my honor and privilege to have worked with you at Walter Reed, Dr. Kelly, at the National Intrepid Center of Excellence, and it's wonderful to get an update on what you're doing today for America's veterans and first responders. We're not rocket scientists here. I mean, there is no whiz-bang thing that we have. We just have the stuff that is necessary by true, you know, uh, committed experts in a system that is pretty expensive to run um, and can only be done uh, through the uh, generosity of, of donors. And it's four words that we thought um, really capture what this is about. Hope, healing, discovery, and learning. So if you put together all of those words and, and what it takes to make them happen, you need this kind of complex team that can handle 
a complex patient's concerns. Um, and people really do feel, and we see it commonly in their feedback. They say, I now have hope. I have hope I didn't have before I came uh, to this program. Uh, I have hope that things will be better, that I'll be able to manage things beyond here. Um, and I didn't have that before I came. I would like to invite all of our listeners to check out the rest of our Brain Injury Awareness Project podcast from Brain Injury Services. And please know you can support all of BIS's vital work by visiting us at braininjuryservices.org slash donate. I'm Erin Mattingly. On behalf of everyone at Brain Injury Services, wishing you good health and access to top-notch, comprehensive traumatic brain injury care for veterans, for active duty service members, and for everyone. This broadcast may contain general information relating to various medical conditions and their treatment. Such information is provided for informational purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Listeners and viewers should neither use the information contained herein for diagnosing a health or fitness problem or disease, nor for assessing one's treatment options and or regimen. Any listener or viewer should always consult with a doctor or other healthcare professional for medical advice or information about diagnosis and treatment options. Neither Brain Injury Services Incorporated nor any party involved in creating, producing, or delivering this broadcast shall be liable for any damages, including, without limitation, direct, incidental, consequential, indirect, or punitive damages arising from use of said information contained in this broadcast.